excited. Hello, and welcome to Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast with your hosts, Buddy Satello Esquire and Evan Ginsberg. Welcome to show number 100, everybody. 100 shows. And if you'd asked me when we first started, would we even make it to 100 shows? Would we even live to see 100 shows? We weren't sure. I mean, you know, for those of you that just started watching, you know, especially the thousands of viewers now that we had check us out from last week, um, you might be new to the program and you don't know how all this got started, but it really did just get started with me and Evan, you know, after years of saying we should finally do a show where we talk about the differences between the East Coast and the West Coast and the wrestling scenes for both of them. Uh, it only took a, a, a nationwide pandemic that's killed nearly a million Americans to, to bring us together and to put the show together. But here we are, 100 shows later, Evan. What do you have to say? I lost six friends during the pandemic, and this show from night one was uh, therapeutic. And, you know, we've done so many memorial shows during the 100 that, um, you know, really it's been therapy for all of us. Mike Lano's off tonight, Mike included. And um, last week, we finally broke a thousand views. So very happy that we finally caught on to some degree. And I yeah, like what to, took you guys so long? Yeah, I, 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 like, I like to say that the everything part of wrestling and everything is what distinguishes the show, because how many fucking shows do you need to go over Raw? SmackDown and AEW, the same, the same matches overanalyzed week after week after week. It's numbing. So we wanted to do something different. And um, for example, I'm I'm on I'm online today, and I see one page after another with old white folk like us ranting, venting against the Super Bowl halftime show tomorrow. Why, pray tell? Because they have rappers on. Instead of ancient rockers, they have rappers. Now, I love R&B. Rap, hip-hop is R&B's cousin. I happen to like hip-hop. I happen to appreciate it. Unlike, unlike Buddy's brother who doesn't appreciate it who's a musician no less okay so yeah, he, uh he's he's not a huge rapper r&b fan but i mean he the, he has different views on, on that but he still respects the amount of talent that it takes to make that kind of music i mean um he just doesn't so want to see it at the halftime show but they, it's not like that's not a reason that he's blatantly against her doesn't think that there isn't any talent i mean that that that's that's a different story you know and i i think that he he, he appreciates it i know i do i'm i'm gonna be honest with you i i'm a huge fan of the nfl i'm a huge fan of the super bowl but i have out of uh 35 super bowls that i've watched i've missed every single halftime i hate halftime shows so it doesn't matter who it is. I'm, I'm not discriminating. 
I just simply did. I don't care who it was. Until they get Weird Al to do the halftime show, then that's when I'll watch. The rest, I don't care. I really I'm the don't. exact. I'm the exact opposite. I don't care one iota about football. I haven't turned it on one minute the entire season. I only watch it for the halftime show. I plan on being at the gym or at the movies during much of the Super Bowl tomorrow because I'll be the only one in there, and this way I won't die from COVID. I'll be I'll be the only person at the gym tomorrow during the Super Bowl. So um, I I thought Prince at, at halftime during the Super Bowl years ago was one of the greatest things I've ever seen, and. Um, I look forward. To, I'm a music guy. I mean, I'm not a sports. I like boxing. I watch boxing constantly. But uh, I used to love boxing as a kid. I just got to tell you that boxing is one of those things like wrestling that has changed immeasurably over our lifetime. It's gone from being one type of sport to being now a lot more like wrestling in a lot of ways, especially with, you know, to tomato can matchups and, and squash matches being what pretty much is the the day rigor versus I mean you look at the talents that we watched especially you growing up but even I was at the tail end of the Muhammad Ali years growing up and he was fighting on wide world of sports for free every week or like once a month against the best boxers that you could find on the planet. Yes and yes and no. Ali Ali was my idol. He faced the greatest heavyweights of his day: Foreman, Frazier, Norton, Shavers. Uh, unfortunately, Larry Holmes at the end, which did not end well. But um, Ali also fought the bum of the month club uh, on TV for free, and because his skills had faded. And interestingly enough, part of his decline was due to his match with Anoki, because Anoki was kicking him in the shins. Yeah, the I remember time. about that. He was kicking him in the leg, and his knee swelled up. And yeah, and he he had blood clots, and um, he had all kinds of damage to his legs. And the theory is that Anoki helped slow down Ali in his later years. So. Um, I I grew up on Duran, Leonard, Hearns, and Hagler in the eighties, and it was just phenomenal. And Spinks and Leon Spinks and 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 uh, you know uh, you had so Norton, as you pointed out, was was still in his prime there, and and uh, George Foreman, you know, Foreman, and, yeah, 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 Foreman, and, uh, and, and Foreman the rise was a monster. Of Holyfield. You know, the rise of Vander and Tyson. Let's not leave out Mike Tyson. That's already the 90s, Tyson and Holyfield. Yeah, I mean, those guys, those guys were great. Tyson went the uh, Macho Camacho route and, you know, sabotaged his own career. But in his prime, the guy was uh, unbelievable. He was a monster. But anyway, boxing today, the problem is there's too many divisions, too many weight classes, super this and, you know, there's too many WBA, WBO, WBC, IBF. I mean, it, it got watered down along along the way. And another problem, like today, uh, on DAZN, D-A-Z-N, which basically took over from HBO 
the Zone and Showtime and ESPN are really the homes of boxing in this country. So the Zone is over there in England today, and what I find is, is if it's a close match, if it's a close match, the hometown guy almost always wins. You know, it's just the way it is. And I, I have friends in the boxing industry who tell me, no, it's not quote unquote fixed, but, but, you know, the, uh, the judges know you got a five-star hotel, five-star restaurants, good payday. They kind of know who the hometown boy is. No, well, sure. Yeah. And, and certainly when you have a sport that comes down to judges, when it's not a knockout, you know, you're always going to have controversy. That's just kind of unfortunately the way that, you know, these, the, these, I mean, that's the only thing that would make the WWE even worse is if they added judges to the <laughs> whole thing. That's about the only thing they could do that would make, you know, what is a difficult uh, 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 thing to watch even more difficult. So, so uh, Nakamura lost his Intercontinental Championship to Sami Zayn, and um, Nakamura defended it four times on TV in you know months or a year or whatever the reign was. They they just totally neutered that poor guy. The guy was top five in the world when he was on top with New Japan. And uh, WWE just made him another warm body on a card. And, uh, well, it's the same thing with AJ Styles, and we saw with the Bullet Club and, and Gallus and Anderson. I mean, you know, and, 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 and you know, I, I just, I was making a joke with uh, 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 Bearcat Lee uh, uh, making his debut. Isn't he, like, just starting to show up now in... in yeah, AEW, and I was like, "Has the WWE stopped pushing him yet?" You know, they 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 you know they they probably still have promos with uh, Bearcat Lee that they haven't had a chance to to run yet because they their their push was such an abortion. You know, so the fanboys the fanboys are on um, on Lee because he put on a few pounds. So I always go. Vince has brainwashed you guys into thinking a wrestler is supposed to have a six-pack of abs. He said, I grew up on Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, Ray Stevens, Pat Patterson. They all had beer bellies. It didn't matter. They kicked yeah, your the ass. Yeah, the side of beef wrestler is, is hard to find these days. You know, who, who, in your opinion, is the greatest side of beef wrestler? Who do you think, um, who do you feel is the... The greatest. I mean, you have a lot to choose from. Greg the Hammer Valentine did not have a you know Adonis build, but Adrian Adonis didn't have an Adonis build. Those guys, a Bobby Eaton, you wouldn't call him you know someone that, but he was fantastic in the ring. Uh, Jerry the Crusher, Jerry Blackwell, you know Blackwell, was, Blackwell moved great for a big guy. Um, yeah, I, I, that, that might be the answer to your question. Um, the, Magu the Maguire twins were practically immobile. I mean, well, that's more a side of that's that's more a side of whale than it is side of beef. Those guys were were were. I'm just talking like guys who were just who didn't look all cut like an Adonis, but had tremendous strength, like a Terry Gordy, for example. There's a guy 
that probably wouldn't be WWE material right now because his body wasn't chiseled. But could you find a tougher human being in the ring than Terry Gordy? Terry Gordy was amazing. And and Blackwell did drop kicks. Yes. Yeah. Vader. Vader's another one of those guys who didn't have the chiseled build. But, I mean, he was amazing in the ring. But the guy that I would say beats all of those folks, and he wasn't big in America, but he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, and that's Gary Albright. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there's a guy that was legitimately a tough dude. He was really, really brutal to the people he got in the ring with. And he was not chiseled. He had a big gut, and, you know, his arms weren't all, you know, veined out and everything like that. But of any wrestler that I would take in a real-life fight, if it wasn't Ken Shamrock or Dan Severin, Gary Albright would be the third person on the list. But my question would be, how did how did this brainwashing filter down to the fanboys who mock who who mock Lee, you know, because he put on a few pounds? The guy was just on his honeymoon. Let what him about enjoy. Bray Wyatt? How what a great wrestler Bray Wyatt is. But I I mean so I I, I sit at wrestling conventions, um, you know, promoting 350 days or whatnot, and. I don't think I've ever seen, in general, a, a a worse group of bodies in one place. Okay, now I you have been to a lot of comic book conventions. That's okay. all I have to say is that okay. you. I've been to my share of science fiction and comic book conventions, and those, but but. A lot of those are cross audiences. You'll find the same yeah, people yeah, yeah. that are at last week's comic book convention at the wrestling show. So, I mean, if you're grotesquely out of shape, how, how do you mock a wrestler who, who's an athlete doing amazing things in the ring like Lee? And, and, and a lot of these fanboys are grotesquely out of shape. And I know I'm going to hear, oh, you're fat shaming, blah, blah, blah. But my point is they're mocking the other guy. Yeah, and 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 also to say, you know, and again, I'm not one of those people that says, well, you have to do it to to appreciate it, and it, you can't criticize it if you've never taken a bump. Because look, I understand that. I mean, I I criticize football, and I've never, you know, played a pro game in my life, and I never even played, you know, any kind of significant college stuff. So so I understand that element of it, but there's also a level at which you can't say that there's zero talent behind these guys when they get in the ring, that these guys haven't already... No one gets to the WWE level that hasn't paid their dues in some serious fashion. And people don't really understand how many dues you do have to pay before you get to the WWE level. And since we're talking about that... um... I I don't quite understand why fans feel the need to mock wrestlers on a daily basis. Every single day, I see most o- most overrated. I don't quite understand what people see in this one, um, etc. So on. Uh, this guy's just a jobber. I see this every day. And 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 um, then there's these endless threads where they're just you know mocking these guys and 
the uh, AEW versus WWE wars where, you know, I hate this entire group of fans because they like the other promotion. I don't get it. I mean, these Peter Pans, they got nothing else, I guess, because this is this is what they do every day of the week, every day of the week. Well, there it's you know a lot of it's the the way to to take out their own frustration over you know what goes on in their own lives and jobs and so forth. They have no control over that. So mock, so mocking Keith Lee makes your own miserable life better. I, for some people, I think that is how they operate. I, you know, it's not right. I don't agree with it. It's just that you know. I know that people are like that sometimes and they, you know, have that sort of uh, uh, desire to want to, you know, reach out and slap someone when they, they have I want to reach out and slap some of the fans. <laughs> I agree. Uh, it's 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 pretty, pretty remarkable, you know, but again, that's the business that we're in. I mean, it's sort of they Vince stirs this pot so much with the audience and he cultivates an audience to have that sort of visceral reaction from it and he thrives off of that and by thriving off of it it creates that kind of festering kind of bubbling crude that we're seeing and i don't know i mean it's it's hard to control but aew fans are not that much better when they bash the wwe fans back the other way you know? I think it's I think it's almost comical. The AEW fans go and buy a ticket to a WWE show, and then they photograph the empty sections. Then the WWE fans go to the AEW shows and photograph the empty seats, and then they like mock each other. And I'm like, you dopes, you just bought tickets to something you hated, you know, to, to mock each other. It makes no sense. You're just putting money in billionaires' pockets. If you don't like it, don't support it. And when I was younger and watching the AWA and the WWF and the NWA, I always felt like that was cool to like all the different leagues and to like appreciate the 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 different universes of each one of those feds. And the fact that, you know, I understood that all my favorite wrestlers couldn't be in one federation, you know, that, that it would be impossible to fit them all. So to have three different feds like the AWA, NWA, and WWF gave like different leagues that you could enjoy talent in three different ways. But there wasn't this sort of like, you had to be an NWA fan. You had to be an AWA fan. You it's like had a gang war now. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is I didn't seem to remember people saying you had to love one or the other. I... Um... I don't quite get the religious fervor on either side where the WWE could do the most despicable business practices imaginable and their fans will support them no matter what. Oh, they're just, they're just sitting and catering like they're worried about Vince's food bill. And then the AEW fans, it's like the religious fervor, you know, I hate to tell you, as good as these guys are, Adam Cole is not Terry Funk, okay? Hangman Page is not Stan Hansen. They're just not. And as good as these guys are, and I enjoy them, and I respect them, the religious fervor is a bit much. And I could understand why that would be grating on the WWE corporate apologist as well. 
I enjoy AEW's TV. I do not enjoy the 27 commercials in the middle of the quality matches that take me out of the match. Uh, you're, you're watching a great world title match, and all of a sudden, you're hearing liberty, 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 liberty. And I'm like, oh my God, make it stop. Make it stop. You know, I it's forget that picture in picture stuff. It, it doesn't work. I'm sorry. Make well, the match. And, and Vince is, it, it wouldn't be so grating if we thought, okay, Vince needs to sell the, the, the time to make money because he's barely I'm talking AEW does that the picture. Right. Right. Both Khan is a Khan's a billionaire and 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 the WWE was recently rated as what worth something like three point something billion dollars? Something like three point two billion. I mean there's there's no lost money that's going on anywhere here. So why they have to push every single second and, and feel make you feel like you're being, you know, grabbed by the heels and shaken upside down for the money is a really like you know it's not that complicated instead of having a, a 20 minute match with commercials right in the middle ha have a 13 minute match with no commercials and have a ton of commercials on both sides of sure it. although they do that too now you know they, they they put a lot of commercials on both sides as well it's just that they can't hold it back they're like if any you know soon what we're gonna have is wrestlers have the actual ads like holographically imprinted on their chest. Right. So it's right. going on during the match, the entire match. It's you'll see Liberty, 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 like, you know, on their foreheads and on yes. their, you know, superimposed on their chests and on their legs and stuff like that. So you'll, you know, that that'll be the next thing is the wrestler will do maybe someone should do that as an angle is like the ultimate sellout. Is somebody who just comes to the ring in one of those bodysuits and like every inch has like some sponsor's name on it. Nate, yeah, that, that's funny. not the next thing that we need. So as somebody who's watching wrestling literally for 50 years, I started watching in 1972. I started attending in 74. 50 years. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a sane, <laughs> older person's perspective. No, not everything is bad in WWE. Every pay-per-view, they have two or three quality matches surrounded by the instantly forgettable vanilla pablum. But every pay-per-view, they have two or three quality matches. And no, not everything in AEW is high art. Some of those skits, some of those characters are pretty stupid also. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, but, as a whole, a two-hour AEW TV show is so superior to a three-hour stultifying roar. I mean, it's just a superior wrestling show, even with the silly gimmicks and some of the silly promos and the endless commercials. It's just better TV. Well, I TV. think that there's, there's more of a sense of they're trying stuff, and we see where they're, they're failing and when they're, they're, they're getting better. And it seems like as they move forwards, as they evolve, they're focusing more on the stuff that's better than the stuff that isn't good. Whereas the WWE seems totally blind to that. There's never a point at which we all say, boy, that was terrible. You know, 
we, we say uh, SummerSlam, or we say uh, 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 the Royal Rumble was terrible, and now, you know, WrestleMania is probably going to be terrible, too. I mean, I, I don't feel like this kind of Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar match is anything that you wouldn't normally see, except for the fact that Brock Lesnar's got this wonderful insulated contract where he's like the Undertaker. He only has to fight five times a year, you know, to, to, to get four and a half million dollars. He's like getting paid like a million dollars for five minutes worth of work, you know, each 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 month or or, or not even that, like every, every three or four months. And the WWE cries poverty and has to get rid of, of dozens of wrestlers. Dozens? Over a hundred? Yeah. Well, you get a 12 dozen, you're yeah. over 100. Um, uh, uh, but, they, they, you know, they get rid of so many people, and yet, like, people like Ronda Rousey get an instant paycheck. You know, Bad Bunny gets an instant paycheck right away. They just, they, the, the WWE doesn't think twice about throwing the money at a big name, even though with that Ronda Rousey, you probably, if you don't have Ronda Rousey in the Royal Rumble, you probably could keep, 50 of the 100 that they got rid of. Wouldn't you agree? Whatever they paid her probably would have kept the rest of them all in contract. I think if you uh, took the part-timers like Rousey, Goldberg, Lesnar, you could could have kept most of those people you got rid of, sure. Um, But Vince believes in the big names, you know, being draws. What, I'm, what I find interesting is, for example, they're coming to Madison Square Garden, WWE, and they have um, Lesnar and Lashley, Lashley listed as the main event, and Reigns and Rollins as the co-feature, and, and the ads always have like the same five guys or six people. These are the people that Vince perceived as the stars, as the draws. It's usually Charlotte Flair... And um, Lesnar and Reigns, of course. You know, so you know who Vince sees as his guys and his women. And, you know, the rest of them are basically warm bodies on a card from Cesaro on down. And doesn't matter how great you are, you're not on Vince's good list. He's like the principal with a good and bad list, like every school I've ever taught at. Let's 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 also talk about the brand split. There have been a lot of talk about the brand split and whether they should get rid of the brand split. Yeah, get rid of it. It's why why would you have two world champions? It just dilutes it. When they say, for example, uh, John Cena has sixteen world titles, I'm like, not really. If there was two champions at the same time, it, it, it's to me, it's worth half as much. You know, it, it at least I could say though that because Dalip Singh, uh, the great Kali, had a WWE championship, that I managed a world a WWE champion at least for one night. So right. I can I, I can sound my resume. That I did manage a WWE champion, but he was one of the worst champions in history. I, while I was driving around today because I was stuck in a bunch of traffic, I didn't think about that a lot to myself, which is, um, you know. Wouldn't it be, do you think, I would like to see, if I if I were Vince, and, you know, first of all, if I was Vince, I, I wouldn't be worrying about uh, any bills or anything like that that are coming, coming you know, that, that, kind of, that kind of thing. But if I, if I was Vince, I would like to see it go down, the, brand, the brand's unified again, 
and go down to just back to one WWE World Heavyweight Championship, one Intercontinental Champion, and just the tag belts, the world tag belt. Three titles. That's it. Just get it back down in a women's championship. And maybe maybe a woman's tag, you know? But that's it. I mean, three men's titles. I'd like to see it get down to that. That would make those titles mean something. Right now, first of all, if you ask if you ask gave me, say you would offer me a thousand dollars to name correctly in one guess the Intercontinental Champion, I couldn't tell you. I just don't know. I forgot. And 50% of the time, I think he was the U.S. champion because I don't put that much stock in, like, who the U.S. champion is. And, you know, then the WWE will introduce an extreme title. Then they'll get rid of it. They'll introduce a 24-7 title. They'll get rid of it. They'll have a junior heavyweight championship. Then they'll get rid of it. Then they'll have an extreme championship. They'll have an X uh, division league, and they'll get rid of it. They'll 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 bring in all these titles, and really, it, as you said, it dilutes who is really the man in charge and who is the guy that you want to see beaten or you got you want to see be the champion and beat his competition. That was one of the great parts of like. Bruno San Martino's reign and Hulk Hogan being champion, you knew they were the ultimate guy in the feds. Yeah, I agree. And I see posts like, who do you think was WWE's greatest European champion? I'm like, I don't remember one guy in one match. It's meaningless. Meaningless. Come on. Yeah, it's like, if you ask me even to like separate out the Intercontinental Champions versus the U.S. Champions. And I, and I had to, and, and it was one of those things I'd get an electric shock if I named the yeah. wrong one. You know, I wouldn't take that test. Because I don't, I, it used to be that the Intercontinental Championship was all, and sometimes involved better matches than the world title. Well, let me, let me tell the younger fans who may not realize the Intercontinental belt was basically brought in because Backlund wasn't quite the draw that Bruno was. Okay, so they figured now we have not only the World Championship, we have the Intercontinental Championship and the Tag Team Championship. So when they had house shows, which was their bread and butter, they could advertise three World Championship matches. And sometimes they'd even bring in Mueller or whatever and have another one. But... Um, so there were nights where Backlund would have a lesser opponent and there's Morocco and Snooker, you know, in the main event, uh, what well, we perceived as the main event, the main event technically was Backlund, but we thought of the, the IC uh, championship as the main event on certain nights and, you know, guys like Morocco, um, Tito Santana, Greg Valentine, Pedro Morales, uh, Randy Savage, Bret Hart, Randy Savage. I mean, they legitimized it. These were great, great all-time top 10, top 20 wrestlers of all time. And it was a great stepping stone. It was a great way to put a guy in as a champion that was not necessarily a good enough draw to be a, a world champion, but still you would have a lot of those intercontinental matches be significant enough 
that they would draw all by themselves. I got to say, the Bret Hart Roddy Piper Intercontinental match is one of the great matches of all time. I love that one. I don't remember it. That was in WrestleMania. I forget which. Oh yeah, yeah, WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a great match. Some of the the uh, uh, Razor Ramon Bret Hart Intercontinental titles were phenomenal. You know, even the Ultimate Warrior. You know, when he was champ, had some really you know intense matches. They weren't you know uh, technically you know you weren't talking in Hackenschmidt against God you know God or anything like that. But but still. They had, you know, build up to them or people were excited to see, you know, DiBiase against. Uh, and you even pointed out that people were saying that The Miz is better than DiBiase. Yeah, there, there, there are geniuses who write that The Miz in ring is better than Ted DiBiase, which is utterly insane. Oh, my but, God. So what I find interesting today is they'll, they'll say a great champion is somebody who, yes, puts over the storylines, has charisma, you know, but then they go off on these tangents. They get a lot of views. They get a lot of clicks. They sell a lot of T-shirts. And I'm like, what about great matches? What about great matches? You know, you can't tell me that The Miz... Is having great. I can't matches. name a single great. I, I personally cannot name a single great Miz match. He's a great character. He's a great. I don't think talk. so. I. You see, I'm not sold on anything about the Miz. I actually really dislike him. I'm being. I'm being polite. I know, and I'm not because yeah. I just don't like him. I mean, I just. I don't like watching him. I don't enjoy his shtick. It's very it's, vanilla. He's very just vanilla. not. So, I go further, and but it's not heel stick that makes me dislike him i just think if i met him in person i wouldn't get along with him he's just not my kind of person he's the kind of person just annoys me and not in a good way not in a good wrestling kayfabe but you see but you see the fanboys would spin that as he's doing his job as a heel he's getting you to dislike him and i say no as an old school fan all i care about is seeing great wrestling i want to see great wrestling that's I why I turn on wrestling, okay? I don't need to see The Miz do ten a 10-minute promo with his wife on some stupid angle. I don't care. I, don't, I just don't care. And I, I don't mean to just pick on him. I'm sure he's a lovely human being. <laughs> but, but I mean, I'm not sure of that, but the, go ahead. But, you know, to be wildly rewarded for doing, you know, direct-to-video you know, bad movies, you know, reality shows, mediocre wrestling. You know, let a guy like Cesaro, who could wrestle circles around The Miz, you know, push somebody like that. He, or a been, guy like Bray Wyatt. Don't, you know, paint Bray Wyatt in a corner and make him have to leave. Don't make, you know, Strowman have to leave. You know, because they feel like that no, that they, they're just being completely, you know, put under the, uh, you know, shoved under the, the rug. I um, saw Bray Wyatt headline Madison Square Garden twice. Place was packed. He was totally over. The matches were excellent. One was with Cena. One was with Reigns. Guy was totally over. I don't know how they managed to kill him off. 
I mean, <laughs> I, I don't even grasp the whole thing. Well, and and when you look at like a guy like, you know, I was thinking, you know, about your your uh, uh, stuff when you you talk about motivation and if we're able to uh, 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 do something where you can show how somebody got to a particular level or where they got there. I think Cesaro's story would be fascinating for people to know, but the WWE never brings him up and never talks about it. Cesaro, I saw a headline for ROH against Nigel McGuinness. Tremendous match, totally credible to the crowd as a legit contender. You know, this guy, if this were the NWA of the 80s, he'd be a world champion because what they used to do back in the day was get a Dory Funk Jr. or a Jack Briscoe. They would find the best wrestler to be the world champion. Bob Armstrong. Is Bob a, Armstrong a, was never world champion. He was a no, regional but they, champion. but they pushed him. They, yeah, they yeah, yeah, yeah. A push, you know. It's it, they because of his raw athleticism. They even did it with a guy like Magnum TA or or Terry Taylor. You know, back in the day. You know, for, for WWE killed Terry Taylor. Though. I know they sure did. But he, he he was getting a push in UWF and NWA. He was a solid wrestler. W WWE killed him. Oh, I remember his feud for the world television title against Jake the Snake Roberts. And that was just when I started getting back into wrestling again. And that was a white-hot feud. That was the kind of thing that people would, like, take their day off on Saturday to go watch TBS to see the Terry Taylor, Jake the Snake Roberts title match. Well, that was the height of, you know, Vince's characters. Dory Funk Jr., that was Horse Funk. H-O-S-S. It's like, put a gun to my head. Harley Race, Harley Race is the king. You know, Terry Funk, Chainsaw Charlie. I mean, come on, please, please. Uh, you know, not everybody The only has one that worked was Mick Foley, because Mick Foley was already a character wrestler. Mick Foley was great. I have no problem with Mick Foley, but Mick, Fo Mick Foley wasn't vanilla like The Miz. Mick Foley had an edge to him. That's why you know, and he was he was meant for the WWE's type of style of you know being a character wrestler. That was that played right into who he was, and that's that's one thing is I don't mind putting a character on a guy that wants to be that character. That's something that means something to them. You know, like Rey Mysterio putting the mask on him. You know, that works. Or or even like turning Dewey Robertson into the missing link. He really was into that character, the missing link. I mean, that was awesome, of course. Yeah, I saw, I saw Dewey Robertson in the WWF in the 70s, and he was basically a mid-card guy, and the missing link, he became a main event guy, so it worked. It obviously I love worked. the missing link. I think that was one of my, it was one of my favorite wrestlers. Although now that we know everything we know about CTE, when you see him hit himself on the head with the uh, chair so many times and do so many headbutt moves, it makes you kind of cringe a little. Yeah, um, I don't have a problem with characters, but when they're silly, unconvincing, vanilla characters, that, then I have a problem with it. And, you know, it is what it is. Well, it's true, um, you know, but I, I do think it's 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 important to to see, you know, the way that wrestling fans are today. That's not important to them. You know, what's important, as you talk about, are clicks and merchandise sales. 
And it all becomes how popular you are outside the ring more than what you've done in the ring to make yourself uh, a winner or, you know, get over with the fans. Speaking of outside, the, the fanboys who fixate on the number of tickets sold and uh, the ratings, if this is the foremost thing weighing on you, you know, you have kids, you know, I had a bunch of friends who died, you know, et cetera, so on. Uh, you, one of your parents just died. I mean, if, if the most important thing weighing and, on and, uh, One of my, my dad and my uncle died. Yeah. So and if the most people. important thing weighing on you is that there's some empty seats in an arena, please, right now, right now, fanboy, go, go outside, leave your apartment, kiss the ground that you walk on in gratitude. The, the, it reminds you of the William Shatner sketch that he had with the, uh, the, the Star Trek fans. It's like, have you ever kissed a girl? Like, yeah. It's like, you know. It's the the dateless wonders, unfortunately, that, you know, rule the roost. I I mean, the seething hatred that they have for the other team, the other team, AEW versus WWE. It's bizarre to me. I mean. And they were all wrestlers that were just in the previous Fed that you said you loved. So, like, you know, that's the other thing is that they say, oh, I hate, you know, uh, uh, Bearcat Lee now. But, you know, a month ago, you were all buying the push that the, the WWE was giving you. That, so now the WWE fans look at Lee. He, he's just a fat guy that's going to be wasted in, a, in AEW. A month ago, they loved the guy. He was a killing machine. Now they hate the guy. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. It's yeah, it, it is weird. It's it's because you know the internet makes it so easy for people to. I mean, before people had probably these same opinions back in the WWF days and the AWA days and and so forth, but we never got to hear them. People would just you know uh, maybe you know write Pro Wrestling Illustrated and hope that their letter would get published. But by and large, we didn't have blogs and we didn't have vlogs and we didn't have podcasts where everybody was able to, you know, voice all this stuff. And social media is sometimes anything but. The guys, the guys who scam me are the, are the ones that uh, do imaginary Chris Benoit matches, you know? It's like, who would win between Chris and Haystacks Calhoun, you know? It's like, it's like, dude, you got to have something better to do with your time than dream up imaginary matches with a guy who killed his wife and kid. Oh man! Yeah, no, it's 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 again a wor weird world that we inhabit, and it's sort of halfway like comic book nerddom versus like the sports uh, 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 obsessives, it's like the 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 kind of like fifty fifty of those two worlds, and they they both collide into a weird melange of uh, of hatred and and, and desperation. Not I, so quiet. I mean, I have no problem with any WWE wrestler. You know, I, I don't like some of their business practices. Um, those, those are two totally different issues. I see fans wishing wrestlers would get hurt, wishing wrestlers would get fired. You know, th this is really crossing a line into obsessive. You know, I, I don't want to see anybody hurt or fired. It, 
you know, whether I appreciate their work or not, these are human beings. They have families. They have kids. And since I'm mentioning that, you know, lost to a lot of these guys when they do the WWE corporate apologist stuff, a lot of these wrestlers relocated, sold their homes, pulled their kids out of school, took their kids away from their friends to get an opportunity, or at least what they thought was an opportunity. And, and they're sitting there, you know, twiddling their thumbs because the ironically named creative has nothing for them. And next thing you know, you know, their names on, on a spreadsheet, you know, and, and their future endeavored and it's all over before they blink. And it's just not fair. You don't ask people to relocate and not give them a fair chance. So the fanboys will go, all the companies do this. All the corporations do this. No, that's not true. Dolly Parton over in Dollywood, as ridiculous as this may sound, she's putting every one of her work is through college. Anybody that wants it, part-time or full-time, not every businessman is a ruthless scumbag. Not all. Many, most, the majority, not all. Okay? Don't... Uh, just that Vince makes it hard for the, the, the rest of them to, to, to you know, uh, he, he runs the reputation for the rest of them. So, um, what I wanted to talk about while we have, you know, last 15 minutes left of the show is I wanted to, to kind of just go over with you in your mind, what are some of the highlights of the 100 shows that we've done so far? What comes to mind? Uh, the, the highlights were me getting to vent so I didn't have a nervous breakdown <laughs> during COVID. I get to vent every week. And, um, you know... We've had some really good guests on here in the 100 shows. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But um, for me, since this, this, is, this to me is... Like performance art, we don't have sponsors. We're not beholden to anyone. I don't care who I insult. No I, scripts. I just, what's no that? scripts. We have it's no scripts. Totally improvised. We don't know what we're going to say even five seconds before we start. So to me, You're it's... Sometimes even five seconds after we've started, we don't even know what we're saying. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is therapy. And... Um, I have a love-hate relationship with pro wrestling, as well as other things, but pro wrestling in particular. I've had legends pour their heart, hearts out to me, sleep on my couch, you know, dear friends who the business did not do goodbye. And, and the fanboys would do the, they all blew it on wine, women, and song. Listen, idiots, some of these guys never broke 100 grand. They were some main eventing. Around the world, never broke a hundred grand. They well, were well, one of the fascinating things from your 350 days documentary is that you asked all of them, would they do it again? And every single one of them said they'd do it again, even the ones that had that didn't turn out well or had tough lives. They yes, all said because they'd do it again. because they saw the world on someone else's dime, like any job, except. It's extremes in, w, in, in pro wrestling, not just WWE, in pro wrestling. These guys traveled the world. They Women throwing themselves at them. Potting. But, you know, but we've interviewed indie folks, and they haven't traveled the world. 
And they still say they would do it all over again. Some of them don't lead really glamorous lives, but they still say they would do it all over again. The Indies, we've both healed, heal managed on the Indies. You more, much more so than I. The thing is, on the Indies, it's it's a different thing. It's like a surrogate family. It's like these are your these are your friends. These are your confidants. You you might one of the one of the wrestlers might be dating another wrestling another wrestler this is basically your surrogate family the promoter is like a surrogate father or mother in many cases and you're all trying to live your dream at the same time that's one thing that people don't get about wrestling is that we're all in this dream state when we're at the show and when we're performing and that capturing that dream and being in that dream living when you're having a good dream you never want it to stop and when you're in a wrestling ring and it's going your way and you the the show is going exactly how you want your match is going exactly how you want you don't want it to stop that was one yeah absolutely you captured in the wrestler that is one thing especially right at the very end you know um uh, he was willing to die in the ring yeah He's willing to die because at least he died in the moment. He died doing what he had always wanted to do for the fans. And that meant more to him than life meant where he didn't get any of those things. Well, since since this is wrestling and everything, you could you could expand on that. A singer needs to sing, a dancer needs to dance, an actor needs to act, a teacher needs to teach, you know, uh, and we need to do radio because <laughs> I'm doing this for 30 years. To me, like I said before, it's very therapeutic. So um, wrestling, wrestling, yeah. I, I've seen too many people die young, but I've also seen people, you know, Lanny Popo doesn't have a lot of regrets. Lanny's like, I, I traveled the entire world and I had a good time on somebody else's dime. So there is that side of it. And being a journalist or whatnot, quote unquote, wrestling journalist, which, which may be the lowest form of journalist, but, but um, writing up roar every week, every, every week is not really the highest peak of journalism. But, but, um, the truth is that, you know, you're in you're in Madison Square Garden in a main event, and tw- and you you're controlling that crowd, twenty thousand people. That's a high. That's a high that most people will never experience. And these guys, even if it's a hundred people, it's still something. Sure, of course, of course. You I know, mean, dinner theater isn't Broadway, but the, you still love doing dinner theater. You know? Or doing those bar gigs, you know, if you're if you're a band and you're playing your local bar, you're not going to be, you know, uh, it's not Budokan, live at the Budokan, but it's still people believing in your talent and they're, they're getting up there and they're dancing because you're making the music or they're cheering because you're making the promotion. You're, you're giving the promo that's causing people to either cheer for you or boo for you. It's an amazing thing. But we've had some amazing guests on here. I just wanted to, to thank some of the folks like Lanny Poffo for being on the show. Steve Tay is another one. Uh, Wayne Matthijs, the guy who started Slaughter from, uh, from um, The Rock, The Young, Young Rock. 
Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, Steve Ludwig and Nikita Brezhnikov and and Solomon Chertok from last week and and my friend um, JJ Purdom and and uh, 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 we've had so uh, um, uh, uh, Matsuda's daughter. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember her name right now, but we've had such an amazing array of guests and and um, uh, 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 Jean Basson has been, you know, absolutely yeah, fantastic. Hollywood from Glow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we, and that for me has been one of the great things, uh, is to be able to, especially when COVID hit and we weren't able to travel at all, this show has allowed me to reach out from beyond where I'm at in San Francisco and travel to New York City, to Australia, to South America with Javier Ost, and and to, to go to Atlanta and to go to, to JP J. Zarker in England. JP Zarker in England, exactly. Mark Madison in Canada. And Germany and, and and we've been to so many different places and, and met Oscar from uh, from Men on a Mission. And these are people I wouldn't be able in the last two years to go out and see. And I was able to make friends with them. Yeah. through this medium and that has expanded my world in ways that I never would have thought possible and it is after 100 shows something I'm entirely grateful for I've met some of the most wonderful eclectic um, interesting people through pro wrestling and some of them are dear friends and um, one, one of these days I'm going to have on um, Chris Michaels, who was in WWE, and he was also ECW tag champs. You know, early, he was a tag champ early before Heyman, you know, uh, when Eddie Gilbert was booking. And um, Chris is one of my dearest friends. He's Republican. I'm liberal. He's pro-gun. I'm anti-gun. He's anti-vax. I'm pro-vax. One of my dearest friends. That in and of itself would make for an interesting show. How two people so different, you know, I love the guy. I love the guy. The guy's awesome, you know? So, um, but that's one thing about you, Evan, is that you will respect people with different opinions. You don't have to have somebody have to mirror your opinion to, for you to respect them. Well, you know, to a degree, I mean, I'm not going to tolerate racism, xenophobia, homophobia, but, um, my friend Chris, who I just mentioned, who has a pretty distinguished wrestling career, he he worked every, he he worked everybody in WWE, Flair and uh, you know all the greats. I mean on on WWE TV, um, Chris is a Republican, white guy, married to a black woman, raising black kids. So, so don't give me the all Republicans are racist bullshit. Uh, that's nonsense also. I'm a liberal, man. And, you know, I, I, I call things as I see it. So, you know, don't, don't, make, don't make assumptions about me and I will make assumptions about you. It's um, people are people. Basically, people want the same thing. They, they want a nice place to live, nice family a partner, you know, friends, a decent job, food on the table, people are people. It's the extremists on all sides. The nutcases on the right, the, the nut, nutcases on the left, 
No, no, looting is not okay. Sorry, extreme left. Looting is not okay. Okay? No, not all on either side is intolerable. Yeah, no, not all cops are bad, extreme left. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've had a half dozen friends and family who are cops. They're not all bad. You know, so there are nutcases on both ends. But, um, you know. Still, I think this, this show has always approached all of our guests and all of our subjects with a large amount of respect. I think that's how we approach these things. Unless they're, you know... The, the overbearing fanboys that are saying, you know, the, the Miz is the greatest wrestler of all time and, and Bruno San Martino wouldn't even stand five seconds in the ring with him. The, 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 you know, the, the people that are extreme, we don't give the respect to. But the people who come at us or who come into the show with a reasonable and, and well-thought-out opinion is something that we respect. And we've always shown that respect and... We always will show the respect for because that's the kind of people that we are. And I think that as long as we have that ability to show that we respect them coming in, we're getting that respect back. And that's one of the things I'm very proud of with this show. Everything has pluses and minuses. Every job, every relationship, every, every house, apartment, car, whatever the case may be. Everything has pluses and minuses. If you're a quote-unquote journalist, you acknowledge both sides. We try to do that here. And um, hey, look, as, 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 as much as I disrespect certain things Vince does, they're also very charitable. They, they support breast cancer. They've, you know, they, they have their hands in a lot of different charities. They do good and bad things, just like, you know, but I, I just resent that the once king of sports has deteriorated into sports entertainment that quite often is not entertaining. That is my beef. Okay. Well, I think that's a pretty good, um, you know, uh, uh, note to end on. And, 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 uh, as we uh, move into 2022 here and show 101 and, and so on and so forth, what are you looking forward to with this show? Um, I can announce a couple of guests for March. You haven't even heard this yet. Um, Dobie Maxwell. Dobie Maxwell is a great, great stand-up comic who loves pro wrestling. He loves and he's done radio. He's been a radio host. He's a great guest. I've done shows with him in the past. Not on this show, but on other shows. Tremendous. He loves wrestling, and he's a comedian. So he's a great guest because the guy's just plain funny. And also, uh, Coach Mike Jones is coming back, along with his radio partner, Jason Amos from Turnbuckle Turmoil. Their radio show, they're going to be back in March. So... um, those are some upcoming guests. And like and I said, Leno should probably also have some people lined up too. We might do something as a tribute to Candy Devine, you know, who passed away this week. Just a quick mention of her. 
Um, you know, I actually saw her wrestle in the WWF against Leilani Kai, and I saw her in against Medusa Michelli in an AWA match way back in the day. And, and I always respected her talent and, and so forth. But we'll we'll get more into that next week because Leno, I think, knew her even better and, and, and has more stories. Speaking of journalism, I'll tell you something interesting that happened with her. Um, Slam Wrestling, who, who I do respect because they cover indie wrestlers who pass, historians, um, you know, just wrestling super fans. They acknowledge everybody when they pass, which most wrestling media doesn't. But in their, in their piece on Candy Divine, they wrote something that was critical of her early days in the business, and people did not react well to it. So it's it, part of me is like, you know, it's, it's like don't tell a 9-11 joke on 9-12. It's not going to get over. You know, you have to be gentle when you're writing about somebody who just passed. But as journalism, they felt that this showed her growth as a wrestler. She wasn't quite good in the beginning. And then she grew into a legitimate star and a legitimate talent. So again, journalism is telling two sides of a story, but it just gets a little sensitive when it's right when somebody passes. So uh, unfortunately we get too much experience having to write about wrestlers passing because during this show, probably in the hundred shows, probably about uh, 95 of them, we've had to mention somebody dying, it seems like. Over the past two years, it's uh, been been horrible. And um, like I said, I lost six friends. So I do appreciate this show to acknowledge them and acknowledge my wrestling heroes and my heroes in the arts. And um, yeah, one by one, um, you know, none of us are getting any younger. And this COVID certainly hasn't helped. It's it's um, man. What, Somehow what, we we man, we persevere on. So we we made it through another week. We'll make it through another week again, and we'll see everyone next Saturday. Uh, next Sunday, we had a special Super Bowl show for tonight. But we'll have uh, Mike Lino on here, and uh, we'll talk about Candy Divine and, and all sorts of other subjects. And and all you and all you old white folk enjoy the rappers during the halftime. Exactly. It- Give it a give it a try. Give it a try. You'll appreciate it. Good deal. All right. Great seeing you. Good to see everyone. We'll see everybody next week. Good night.